0: All right, tonight uh, I'm kind of closing my financial class, but really going to talk about some other things. And, um, but it, it does, because if you remember in the financial class, we're going to be totally in the Bible today. I'm not doing a PowerPoint. Um, and the thing I kept stressing over and over again is mindset, how you see things. Now, the Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we have to we have to understand that the the life in, in fact Proverbs chapter four says to guard your heart with all diligence that spirit part of you for out of it flows the dis- issues of life. Uh, I've talked about how where Jesus in one uh, scenario could do no mighty works because of their unbelief they couldn't figure out hey this guy we know his family and his work his labor and stuff like that and they stopped the power of God. In our finances, it does the same thing. There are things in our heart. There are doctrines in our head. And doctrine is not just a a Christian word. It's a set of beliefs. We all have a set of beliefs um, about money, about faith, about about everything. It doesn't really matter. And so I want to take tonight, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to start with verse 1. And uh, this chapter 8 and chapter 9 are really talking about Offerings. So if you remember in my financial, when I was going through finances, I said there's two ways you can make money, and you can make money in both ways and, and live in both uh, either system, the mammon system uh, or the uh, kingdom of God system. They function different, and I tried to show different elements as we walk through that. But everything's going to come back to where we uh, think, and we could tie into what Ralph just talked about what we trust in. Some people trust in uncertain riches. Some people trust in God. So as we read this, where he's going to be talking about an offering, almost the whole two chapters is is about an offering that's being received and has been committed. But I'm not really talking about offerings. I really, what I I want, if you can keep your, your brain and your focus on as we walk through these scriptures, look at the heart and the intent of everybody involved in it. Because that's what it all comes down to. In Hebrews says, the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing asunder between the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God knows why we're doing things. And, and we, a lot of times, put on a front of why we're doing things. We talk really good Christian talk sometimes. But God knows what's in our heart. Um, in Jeremiah, it says, the heart's wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Uh, so he tells us and gives us understanding that your heart will deceive you. Do you, do you know how to, to figure out what you, what's in your heart? Watch what you do. Just watch what you do. Because the very next verse, he says, I try the reins of your life to see which way you go. So he'll like whisper in our ear and say, do this. And now we're, we're faced with a challenge of what's in our heart or do what God says. I mean, we have that challenge when we read the Bible also. What we have got to get good at is discovering what's in our heart because we are doing what's in our heart there's there like what Ralph was talking about on on trusting and he was talking about it from trusting God a uh, very good word he had we all trust in something, and sometimes we're not clear what we trust in. sometimes our trust is really uh, um, created from not trusting something else does that make sense i don't trust you so i'm going to do this really i'm trusting in whatever this is just because i don't trust you and and this is where in jeremiah it says the heart is wicked and desperately uh evil you know who can know it and so uh hey russ can i talk you and turn that fan off um and so uh so as we go through this, watch the heart. Now I've got Tammy's Bible here, so you know you, you kind of get to know your Bible. I don't know this Bible. In um, uh, uh, what's that? Uh, no, it's formatted different. And uh, but hers has King James Version and Amplified in it, and I'm going to kind of read them both. So they're lined by they're side by side. So I thought it'd be easier for me than having to. Uh, usually when I read out of the Amplified, I have another Amplified Bible with me. So. Uh, Chapter 8, verse 1, 2 Corinthians. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, or we desire you to know, of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So in the context, he's going to say, I'm going to to reveal to you the grace that was provided to the people of Macedonia, Amplified. Now, brothers and sisters, we want to tell you about the grace of God, which has been evident in the churches of Macedonia awakening in them a longing to contribute. Now, we could really, in these uh, verses that we're going to receive, really talk about living to give. And I'm not really going that way. I really want to look at the heart. I want to try to keep this toward the heart. But you're going to see that some things happened, that the power of God came, that actually excited them in a motivating fashion to give. Uh, How that in a great trial of affliction... The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Now that's really kind of contradictory in our thinking. Amplify says, For during an ordeal of severe distress. Now have you ever been in an ordeal of severe distress? Did you overflow with joy? (laughs) Not usually, right? Usually distress makes you feel distressed. But... Again, look at what the dynamic is of the heart and spirit. During an ordeal of severe distress, their abundant joy and deep poverty together overflowed in the wealth of their lavish generosity. Now, wait a minute. They have lavish generosity in great wealth based on the grace of God that was bestowed upon them. See, this is a dynamic of as we process through life, what do we trust? Because God can overcome every situation. The biggest battle we have is up here. Because if you're in great distress, this thing is messed up. It's distressing. Verse 3, For to their power, or for a, uh, for a testimony, that according to their ability, and beyond their ability. Beyond their power. How do you function beyond your power? You have to have a heart to trust in God, that you can take it over into the spiritual realm to do something. And they were willing of themselves. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave voluntarily, praying with us, much entreating, or let me read it out of the Amplified, begging us insistently for the privilege of participating in the service for uh, the support of the saints in Jerusalem. Now, now, just in those, what did I read, four verses? There's a lot of what seems to be contradictory information. Distress and joy. Poverty and abundance. They're not focused on what they're going through. Something has incited within them, or their heart has attached to something in the spirit that caused them to, as the Amplified Bible says, Beg. Let us give. Paul, probably here's a conversation. I'm making this up, but it's what David's mindset gets. Uh, Paul, Paul, we want to give. We want to help the people in Jerusalem. Dude, you're poor. What what are you going to give? Where are you going to get it from? Paul, we we believe in God. We know God will do it. We want to help. We want to help what you're doing. But you guys are struggling yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a distressful situation. But praise God. God is faithful. Okay, come on, go ahead, give. But there, And there's a dynamic there that really steps above natural conditions. Now, we could preach the same message on healing in different areas. It just so happens to be that this is on money and it ties into what I was doing. So in verse 5, And this they did. Amplify. Not only did they give materially as we had hoped, but first they gave themselves to the Lord and to us as his representatives by the will of God, disregarding their personal interest and giving as much as they possibly could. Now, if they disregarded their personal, their own personal interest, what do you think they might have disregarded? The fact that they didn't have nothing. The fact they didn't have nothing? Did not have much. Or what I could get with what I had or... You know, maybe how much food I got on my table. Uh, I don't. I only got enough for three more days. But but, praise God, God's gonna manifest. Their whole shifting turned from themselves to helping others, which is the principle of living to give. In so much that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you, the same grace also. Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us see that you abound also in this grace also so what is the grace he's taught is he talking about that he says see that you abound in this grace also nobody raise your hand somebody will bring your microphone I can wait for a while. The grace of giving. Oh, I didn't see your hand go up. <laughs> Praise the Lord! I was going to say it's at the top part of the in verse two. Um, How that, uh, that affliction, their abundance of joy, their abundance of joy, and the riches of their liberality. Yeah. There's a grace for giving. This is an element that a lot of people miss and they look at giving as a budgetary item. And, and there's, there's an element of giving that the purpose turns from you to helping somebody else. So let's go back. I, uh, that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others to prove the sincerity of your love. Amplified. I am not saying this as a command to dictate to you but to prove by pointing out the the enthusiasm of others, the sincerity of your love as well. Verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here we come into this grace again. The grace empowered them to give, abound in this grace. Also, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. Uh, Let me read it out of the Amplified. For you are recognizing more clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his astonishing kindness, his generosity, his gracious favor, that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich or abundantly blessed. And herein I give my advice. Verse 10. For this is expedient for you. Amplified. I give you my opinion in this matter this is to your advantage who were the first to begin a year ago not only to take action to help the believers in Jerusalem but also the first to desire to do it so now this is going to become an important part of this is this has been going on for a year and they haven't let go of their desire to give and help now obviously they don't have venmo they don't have zelle they don't have the cash app they don't have hey telephones call them up and say hey you run my credit card you know, or a postal system, and mail them a check. So you know, the means of facilitating these kind of things are different. And this has been going on for a year, but it's been in the heart of these believers to do this. They, they've held on to it for a for a year. And herein, I give you. My, uh, I read that uh, verse ten. For I give you my opinion. In this manner, here the first okay desired to do it. Verse eleven. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it. So he says, now So now, finish this, so that your eagerness in desiring it may be equal to by your completion of it according to your ability. Now you've got to put some legs on what you're wanting to do. Now therefore, uh, for if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that that he hath not. Verse 12 in the Amplified. For if the eagerness to give is there, it is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. So again, look at the context of this, that if you're eager or or you have a heart too, that is accepted based on, What you have, not on what you say. I've had several people over the years come to, you know, Pastor, if I'd win the lottery, man, I'd buy you a church. Uh, That means nothing based on this verse. If we're willing to put legs to what we believe, in fact, every year at the missions conference, they do what's called faith promise giving. And that is they talk to people back there at Covenant Peace International uh, headquarters and say, okay, we, we don't do pledges, but set your heart on what you want to give. And believe that you can give it. Stretch yourself out. And believe that God's going to bring it in over the next year. And, you know, and talks about this eagerness. That this is from the heart. This is not an emotional pluck from the air number. What is in your heart for you to do? Write it down. And then believe God to bring it in that you do it. And so this is really what he's talking about. The eagerness. And then putting legs at where you're at. So what goes on? on the faith, promise, giving is people write down a number and then they'll start giving toward it during the year. They'll start putting legs on what they're believing to do. Now, this all comes back to the heart. With God, it's not a money transaction. It's a heart transaction because he uh, He knows why we do what we do. Now, we can put fluff and powder on it and say we're doing it because of this and because of that, but He knows why we do because he's looking at the heart. Everything is going to come down to a heart issue, of where our heart is with God. So, for, uh, for I mean not that other men be eased, and you be burdened, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. Now let me read that out of the Amplified. For it is not intended that others be relieved of their responsibility, that you be burdened unfairly, but that there be equality in sharing the burden. At this time, your surplus over necessities is going to supply for their need so that at some time their surplus may be given to supply your need, that there may be equality. Now something think about this for a moment. Why doesn't just God give them all what they need? He wants, to he, he wants them to work together. In order to supply for somebody else's need, you have to put somebody else above your need. Say again. How you build the body, and how you want. If you go over to the book of Acts, they said they had all things in common. Now that didn't mean they lived in a communal. And but but those that had surplus helped those that had lack. So that when those that had lack or those who are in lack, when they come into surplus, could help others. It really facilitates the functioning of the whole idea of the Bible. Is it's better to esteem others higher than yourself. Most Christians today, or a large portion of Christians today, is, uh, you know, they live on the principle of gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. Uh, you know, it's just like, what's in it for me? What can I get? What, what am I going to have? And everything like that. But God says, if you go into Matthew chapter 6, uh, He says, seek for this kingdom of God. And all these things that I just told you about, the verses above it, I'm quoting 633, He says, I'll give them to you. Rain, you know, the clothes you wear, the food you eat, and all this kind of stuff. I'll take care of you. If you'll focus on seeking me and on seeking me, I want you to help them. And and a lot of times we don't see the purpose of God because we look at it as a budgetary item. And I went over budgets. You should live on a budget. You should know where your money goes and whatnot. But don't ever put God in a budget. I mean, you can have your, your tithes, your offerings in the budget, but don't limit God on that. If he ever nudges you to do something else, always follow what he's going to do because he's trying to bring us into greater things. Okay, as it is written, um, he that had gathered much had nothing over and he that had gathered little had no lack. So everybody was taken care of. Now, we're going to go into uh, chapter 9. Okay, because the chapters and verses were added by the translators. Paul's writing a letter and he hasn't changed subjects. He says, for as touching the ministry, uh, ministering to the saints, or amplified, now it is unnecessary for me. Wait a minute, 14, 15. Oh, there's more to that. Let's finish off the, chapter 8. I thought, it again, I did, the formatting's different than my Bible. But thanks be to God, verse 16, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. For indeed he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. And we have sent with him the brother, that's Luke he's referring to, whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And um, I believe that one. Take that back. It might not be Luke. But it is Luke. Okay. And not uh, that only, but who also chosen. This Bible's formatted different than mine and doesn't have my notes in it. And not, o- and not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and the declaration of your ready mind. Let me read 19 in the Amplified. And not only this, but he, also, but he has also been appointed by the churches to travel with us in regard to this gracious offering which we are administering for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our eagerness as believers to help one another. Verse 20, avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us. "...providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent, upon the great confidence which I have in you. Whether any do inquire of Titus, his my partner and fellow helper, concerning you or our brethren, be inquired of, they are messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ. Wherefore, show you to them... And before the churches, the proof of, the, of your love and of our boasting in Christ. Now let's go down to chapter 9, verse 1. For us touching the ministering of the saints. Where he says, now it is necessary, amplified for me to write to you about the offering that is to be made for the saints in Jerusalem. This is the offering that they had purposed in their heart. They were eager. They were begging. It had been over a year. For I know your eagerness to promote this cause. And I have found, and I have proudly boasted to the people of Macedonia about it, telling them that Achaia has been prepared since last year for this contribution, and for your enthusiasm has inspired the majority of them to respond. Yet I have sent, I'm back in the King James, yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that I said you may be ready. So Paul, I want you to understand again the heart of this and the importance of it in the, the matter of God. I'm going to send somebody to you to get this, to, to receive this offering while you have it so that we don't come and you had to spend it on something else. So, amplified, still I'm sending the brethren onto you so that our pride in you may not be an empty boast in this case so that you may be prepared just as I told them you would be. Otherwise, verse four, or lest happily, if the Mesa, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we that we say not you should be ashamed in this matter. Amplified. Otherwise, if the Macedonians can't come with me and find you unprepared, we to say nothing of yourselves will be humiliated for being so confident. Five. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they go before unto you and make up or take up, make arrangements in advance for this generous previously promised gift of yours so that it would be ready, not as something extorted or wrung out of you, but as a voluntary generous offering. Now, when did the giving, because up until this point where he's talking about going and getting it, nobody had given anything. They've only said, we want to do this, we want to do this, we want to do this. Okay, but when did it become a generous offering? Because Paul doesn't know how much, or if they told him, he didn't tell us. What made this be determined a generous offering? I think the fact that it was the majority of the church that's wanting to help. Okay, the majority of the church. Did you guys raise your hand? Oh, I thought I saw a hand go up in my peripheral. Anybody else? Okay, B? When they determined in their heart to do it. Now, a lot of people use a give liberally enough like that. And they'll say it in the terms of it has to be a certain amount of, you know, give big. But it was their heart that turned it generosity. And he didn't want it to become grievous. Which would be a holding back of offering. But this I say, watch this, verse 6. But this I say, he which sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he which sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. And the Amplified says, now remember this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows generously that blessings may come to others will also reap generously and be blessed. So the sparingly or the bountifully was a determination of the heart, and it ties into it. We want to come and get this to you or get this from you, so that your generous offering doesn't become a, what was the word, sparingly offering. The dollar amount may not have changed. It was a condition of the heart. When you and I bring the offerings to God, even in the determining of what we do, not that, that sounds like it's the denomination amount, that's not it. Um. Okay, let me, let me give a weird example. We should wake up on Sunday morning and say, I get to bring an offering to God. I wonder how much I can bring him. Okay, I, I bet you nobody does that. Everybody's looking down. <laughs> I bet you a lot of people at the last minute when offering, they reach in their pocket, see what they got. Or, you know, you ever hear the joke about the, the $100 bill, the $20 bill, and the $1 bill was... Uh, together in a wallet, and they were talking. And uh, the $100 bill man said, man, life's been great. I just came back from Paris a few weeks ago. I was in great Greece. Now I'm here in New York. And, and I, I heard I'm going to be going over to um, you know, Japan here in a little bit. Wow, it's, it's an interesting life. And uh, he looks at the $20 bill and says, uh, where have you been? Well, you know, I, I get around. I was in Chicago, and I was in Dallas. And uh, you know, I'm pretty local, you know, around the United States, and and uh, but but I move around it here and there. And then they all looked at the one dollar bill. So where have you been? Oh, you know, church, church, church. <laughs> um, but the but a, a, a liberal offering, according to these verses that Paul's writing, two what turns out to be two whole chapters, on, is about their state of heart, and their ability to perform what is in their heart. Now, every man, verse 7, every man according as he purposes in his heart. So this is what they had done, is they begged, we want to give, we want to do this, we want to help. And it was a matter of their heart. And Paul's talking, we've got to send somebody to you to pick this up, so that the conditions don't change, so that you can't fulfill what's in your heart. This is the spiritual side of it, not the monetary side. Every man is according as he purposes in his heart. So let him give not grudgingly or of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver. Again, determine. God, God says he loves a cheerful giver. He wants us to give a bountiful offering. Now, now, maybe I'll just insert it here so everybody can chill out. I'm not receiving another offering. Ralph already did that. So so we're good, okay? Uh but he wants us to purpose based on how we view him. Now, I would venture to say most people based on how they budgeted him. But he wants us to give how we view him. And that we would be cheerful when we did it. So, you know, if, you, if a person walks up here and they got a $20 bill in their hand and they stand here and they're like, And then the, somebody from on the stage comes over and starts pulling on it, and they start pulling back and, and finally, okay, you yeah. know. Is that a cheerful giver? No. Okay, what if it's just mentally on the inside, and you have a suit on and you look really nice? And so, you know, where is the attachment? Where, where is the heart uh, in the matter? For God loveth a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. Now, remember back when we read in chapter 8, Go, go in this grace also. He's saying that in their great distress, in their poverty, this was chapter 8, we just read it, they abounded to much joy and, and the ability to give beyond their means. Why? Based on the grace that was in operation. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Um, Uh, Amplified, And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come in abundance to you so that you may always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything, being completely self-sufficient in him and have an abundance for every good work and act of charity. Now, do you think that would apply to inflationary times also? But see, now we're going to start seeing where our trust is. As inflation, as different things go on, and the way the money movement and the economic system is, is shifting, where is our trust? And where is our, our cheerf- cheerfulness? And is our giving an abundant giving or a, a what was the other word? Um, abundance. Sparingly. Or a sparingly giving. God, you know I gave $100 and I need that for my utility bill. You got to bring it back to me, God. I don't know that that's cheerful, is it? (laughs) Keep her in control, okay? (laughs) As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Uh, Let me read that. As it is written, and forever remains written, he, the benevolent and generous person, scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, um, verse 10, now he who provides seed to the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply your seed for sowing, that is your resources, and increase the harvest of your righteousness, which shows itself in active goodness, kindness, and love. So, So God's system is set up to that he gives seed to the sower. Now, which comes first, the sower's heart or the sower's giving? The sower's heart. Yeah, the sower's heart. So if you, if you have a heart of giving, then you're going to look for ways of giving. And God says he'll not only provide your food and provide for you, he will increase your ability to give. So let's read it again. Now, he that ministers seed... To the sower, both minister, bread for food and multiplies your seed sown. Which which of those two promises has the, the greatest impact for coming back? Huh? Multiply the sun. Yeah, multiply the sown. He says he's going to give you your food, but he's going to multiply what you sow. So you see where the heart of God... See, God's not concerned about if there's enough food on the earth. Uh, God's not uh, concerned about... Uh, if there's enough water on the earth, God's not concerned about uh, you know, any of these things because He owns it all. He has it all. He can get all of it to us. What He's concerned about is what's in our heart in the functionality of what He has said to do. Does that make sense? Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. In other words, He will multiply through us so much that it's going to produce thanksgiving to him. You will be enriched, uh, verse 11 amplified, in every way so that you may be generous and this generosity administered through us is producing thanksgiving to God from, whose, from those who benefit. For the administration or for the ministry of this service offering is not only supplying the needs of the saints, God's people, but is also overflowing through many expressions of thanksgiving. uh, Verse 13, uh, or because of this act of ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to the gospel of Christ, which you confess, as well as for your generous participation in this gift for them and for all the others in need. verse was that now 14 and by prayer and by prayer for you which long after you for the exceeding grace of god in you thanks be unto god for this unspeakable gift now he's just written two full chapters on this this giving and i've tried to keep our focus on the heart of the matter that in the heart of giving is where the flow comes to us not the um can you give and your heart not be in it Yeah. yeah so that doesn't really produce anything um, uh, but if we're operating based on God, God loves a cheerful giver, um, that we, um, I thought it was here in nine, uh, where God loves a cheerful giver. Did I skip the verse or oh, right here? Verse seven. Every, I didn't read the whole thing. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver. So he does, I, I made my little list illustration for grudgingly, but notice he also said, or of necessity. What's giving out a necessity? Paying the, light bill for the church. Uh, paying the light bill for the church. Or me paying your light bill, because I see you struggling. Okay, that's a necessity, because I see you all hung up on the light bill. I've heard it twice now. And um, so I, I see you're struggling with the concept of, of where the light bill's at, and, 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 and you keep talking about it all night long now, and uh, you send me a text after church, and it's like, Pastor, this light bill's just got me burdened out. Now, I, I can feel sorry for her, or because of the necessity, I could pay her light bill. But is that responsibility on me? No. He said, we don't give out of necessity. No. We give out of a giving heart. So is there a way, with Latrice and her light bill, is there a way that I pay her light bill out of necessity and also a way that I can pay her light bill out of a heart to give? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does it work both way? Yeah, and I'm the one that determines which way I'm doing it. There's a lot of people, you know, You know, most panhandlers are scamming you. They're wanting to buy drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. But what are they playing on? Your emotions to help them. Well, huh? And the dog, man. The dog's thirsty and, and I, I, I don't want the dog to go thirsty. And so, so I'm compelled to give this money. Don't you, do you understand we're giving out of necessity? Now, if you gave out of necessity, okay, let's, either, let's say there's a person standing on the street, they're, they're panhandling, they actually really look hungry. Uh, the, uh, uh, Tammy and I, we were in, um, where were we at? We had just eaten, and we were going back to Avila. We were someplace over there on the coast, and we pulled into a store. We packed up our food. And these guys had a sign that says, hungry, can you help us? Well, we had all this food that we'd just taken. I don't know, we had pizza or something like that, like a half a pizza. Or... We were at Italian restaurant. Oh, yeah, we went to an Italian restaurant, and so we had this food. And so uh, I rolled down the window, I said, you guys really hungry? I said, yeah, I man, we haven't eaten in like two days or something like that. I said, we just came from a restaurant, you know, it's what the food that was left over from us, do you want it? And uh, they're like, yeah. So, all right. so we gave them the food. In fact, we've done this a couple of times because there was another guy that we gave to and that we gave him pizza, and then when we drove around the corner, we saw there was a lady that came out and a dog, and the dog was chewing down on the pizza, too, but, uh, but you know, ministering to their needs uh, type of thing, but so you can, you can want to give. I wasn't obligated to give because they had a necessity. If they were truly hungry, I wanted to give so that they were not hungry, so, so our heart you know, was more on the, the, the giving side. So you can fall on either side. There's no return on just just filling the necessity because we're not obligated to give or, or encouraged to give. Now, in closing, hey, this is going to be an early one. Whew! Say, everybody say praise the Lord It's early. Okay, it's pretty weak. I'm, I'm glad. If it came out really strong, I was going to be distressed. Four verses later, now remember, chapters and verses were added by the translator. Four verses later, the topic did not change. We, we now move into chapter ten, verse one. Now I, Paul, beseech myself. Uh, now I, Paul myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in the presence am base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. And I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with the, with the confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walk according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the, now this, these are verses we quote all the time, right? Mm-hmm. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, and, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself. Now, obviously, these verses can be used for anything that's a stronghold. But do you not think it's not tied to chapter 8 and chapter 9, that he just went on a two-chapter uh, dissertation on people's hearts and their giving, and then he came back to their mindset and the strongholds? If you look at the strongholds of people, one of the greatest areas where there are strongholds is in the realm of money. Because that's my livelihood. That's why Jesus taught on money more than anything else. is because money is our livelihood. And to put God before money is a very difficult thing to do. Because we trust in money. If if I've got $20, I know I can get $20 down the road. If I have $100, I know I can get $100 down the road. But the Bible talks a lot about not trusting in those kind of riches. He didn't say to become impoverished. He didn't tell you to take a vow of poverty. He didn't tell you to, to not try to, to better yourself. He said, don't put your trust in those riches. And the multiplication factor, it's the, it's the, the uh, Pastor Harbone has a great testimony. He got out of debt by giving. Not giving to MasterCard and um, you know, Visa and stuff like that. Giving other places and his debt got canceled. He literally woke up one morning and you've heard parts of the testimony, I don't know, maybe you've heard it all. But uh, um, he, he started giving into missions, he started giving into other things. Things came back. Uh, he, was, he was struggling, he was up over his head in, um, uh, in debt. Uh, I think it's a literal story, Angel being a CPA, uh, when she uh, looked at his portfolio, uh, which was all of his debts, she had to get a bag and breathe into it because she started hyperventilating. She had never paid interest on debt. And it literally, not only did she second guess, should I marry this guy, but people told her, don't marry him, you'll be broke your whole life. And she went through a battle on it. He, he was that bad off. He was a, a sheetrock hanger. He fell off a roof. He broke, he had to have pins. He lived off credit cards for several, several months. He was way over his head in debt. And when he got out of debt, it was through giving. He, said, he woke up one morning with all the debt, not enough money to pay anything, bill collectors calling him, and then he went to bed that night debt-free. And uh, a guy heard that he was trying to get going in ministry. He says, uh, you come over for dinner, we'll feed you tonight. He says, okay, yeah, that'd be good. Uh, he says, we want to we help you get started in ministry. He went over there, and uh, he had gotten to the place so strong that God was his source and not people that they told him that, um, I guess he, on the phone, they told him, we were, uh, um, we heard you got a lot of debt and you're struggling financially. He said, so what we want to do is we're going to make you a no-interest loan and uh, we'll pay off all your debt and then you pay us back as you can so you don't have this debt hanging over you. And he was like, well, praise God. Get a free meal and get my debt refinanced? Um, and so he went over there and had a uh, sat down there eating and the lady, uh, like Elbert, her husband said, so are you going to tell him? Are you going to tell him? And... Uh, and he says, yeah, he says, you know, I, I told you that we're going to pay off all your bills and not charge you any interest. He says, we can't do that. And he said, when he said that, the error didn't come out of him because he had gotten to the place that the word was more true than what he was facing. And he said, okay, that's fine. He says, I understand it. That was a big step and he appreciated it. And he says, no, you don't understand. We're going to pay it off and you don't have to pay us back. And they paid every single debt off off that he had. He got up that morning with 100% of his debt. He went to bed that night with zero uh, debt. But all because of he worked on, if you hear the whole long testimony where he goes through everything, he worked on his heart, he worked on his giving, and he worked on his confidence in God. Let's stand. Any questions? Comments? Hate mail? Send your hate Milton. no reply at. I, I, I tell you, the, the this thing with God, God's word works. We, we have to have confidence in his word. And our struggle, every one of us has the struggle that we all have to work through is. Well, actually, it goes back, back to we were just talking about it before uh, service with Ralph. And he talked about, it. you know, there's many times I come up here and I do the offering. And the pastor preaches on it. And uh, it just tied in again tonight. Uh on there is there's faith in things, but then the verb of trust is, uh, can you walk it out? And that's where, uh, hopefully on the financial thing, I've given you enough tools of where to start, where to go. If you want to sit down and, and need help making a strategy and putting things t- together, I'm here to help you on that. And, uh, uh, but but we're walking into t- some times that you need to start getting things in order. And so uh, um, I, I would encourage you to do that. Um, And praise God.